The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. to be with you this morning, have the privilege of opening God's Word, and if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 1, it's a privilege to once again be able to fellowship with you at First Baptist Pelham. We've had this occasion a number of times before. Appreciate very much Brother Mike and Mary, great friends for many years, and just an honor and a privilege to be able to share with you during this time of transition, and our topic this morning from transition to victory, Joshua chapter 1. Will you stand with me in respect for the Word of God as we read from God's Word this morning? Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Will you pray with me? Father, we ask now that you would open our eyes and our hearts to hear what the Word says, to understand what it means, and to respond to its application in our lives, that we might be not simply hearers but doers of your Word. And so, Father, bless this local church, this expression of the body of Christ, and grant the victory that you have promised in Jesus' mighty name. God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Transitions can be challenging times, can't they? And you are in the midst of a transition. For some of you, it's an easy transition. For others of you, very difficult. Brother Mike has been your pastor for many years, and God has blessed his ministry and honored it here. I have a few stories about Brother Mike that I could tell this morning, but I've decided I'll save those for a rainy day. And I know that you probably could share more stories with me than I could with you. 
I'd love to tell you about the time he won up Warren Wearsby at Southeastern Bible College. I'll let you figure that one out. But transitions, as I mentioned, can be challenging. And that's certainly true in a local church when you transition to a new senior pastor, a new under-shepherd to lead the flock ahead on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. This is a transition time for Southeastern Bible College as well. Some of you may or may not know that Kathy and I will be leaving the college as president, not retiring, as I've told people, I'm too young to retire. I'll only turn 69 this year, so still have a few good years to go. But uh, no rocking chair, but we are moving to Dallas to uh, try to start a new radio ministry there and, and uh, to be closer to our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We have a dozen grandchildren, half a dozen great-grandchildren. Now, if you want to tell me I look too young to be a great-grandfather, you go right ahead. I will not be offended at all. We first had grandkids. People used to tell Kathy and me, you look too young to be grandparents. Boys, it's been a long time since that happened. Now, I don't understand it. But the reality is we're thankful for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and God has given us the opportunity and laid on our hearts to be closer to them and to minister to them. And Southeastern has a search team together, just as you do, and is in the process of looking for the next leader. And Israel is now about to look for a new leader, and he's already on the spot. In fact, back in the book of Numbers and again in the book of Deuteronomy, God laid his hand on Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And it is at this time that Joshua has stepped up to the fore and perhaps is wandering around near the Jordan River thinking and praying, maybe some anxious thoughts in his mind, wondering how this transition is going to come about. He's got this massive group of people, and always before now, there's been Moses to look to when there have been problems when there have been challenges, that experience of Moses, that connection with God, and now Joshua is it. God has taken Moses off the scene, and it is Joshua's responsibility to lead the Israelites into the land of Canaan. And I'm sure he felt some misgiving in his heart, because transitions can be challenging times. Most of you in the state of Alabama have an allegiance to a particular football team. And because of that, you understand transitions. The team in Tuscaloosa several years ago was going through very difficult times. Had a series of coaches who somehow didn't quite measure up to the standards of the past. And then they went out and found a man who'd been at LSU and then had been in the NFL and brought him in. And as they say, the rest is history. Championship after championship. Same thing happened down on the plains. They'd had a coach who'd led them to the heights and a championship, and things were not going well. And so they turned to a coach who had been the assistant coach there and, and then had gone to Arkansas State and brought him back in, and literally the next year, he led them to the promised land, to the championship game. And whatever your allegiance today, I'm sure you're excited about the fact that for both programs, it's been from transition to victory. But I'm here to say to you this morning on the authority of the Word of God, it's a lot more important for your church to move from transition to victory. It is of vital importance that we experience the victory that God has laid out before us. And I believe that's a key that we can find from the book of Joshua. 
In fact, this book talks about victory from the very first to the very last chapter. It is a book of conquest. It is the Ephesians of the Old Testament. And it shows how walking with God can make you a winner. And I believe the key word in this book is possession. Sixteen times that word is found. God tells them to take possession of the land. And it was not an easy thing to do. Joshua chapter 11 verse 23 is perhaps the key verse in the book. It says, for Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. There had to be challenges. There had to be conquests. There had to be conflicts, difficulties. And yet God's will was that their change in leadership not lead to a slipping back not lead to a deficiency in ministry, but instead lead to great victory in the days ahead. And we see that in these verses as God confronts Joshua after the death of Moses, verse 1, the servant of the Lord. Incidentally, this title used four times of Moses is also used of Joshua. Joshua 24, 29, Joshua, the servant of the Lord. Here he's referred to as Moses' assistant, and the Lord tells him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Now the good news is, Brother Mike is not dead. He is alive and well. I talked to Mary this morning in the first service, and uh, he is doing well and loves this church and loves this ministry. So don't draw that parallel. But the transition parallel is a valid parallel to examine. Because you see, they're moving from Moses' leadership to Joshua's leadership. And God tells them, don't go back to Egypt. He tells them, don't go back and wander in the wilderness. He tells them, don't stand pat where you are. He says, go over this Jordan, go into the land, and conquer the land. And he says in verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread on, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. Every single spot. All they had to do was to walk in and take it. Yes, there was a battle to be fought. Yes, there were enemy tribes to be vanquished. But God promised victory. And in fact, notice the scope of this promise. Verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates, that's all the way up into modern day Iraq. All the land of the Hittites to the north and west. Assyria today, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. If you look at a map today of the Middle East, you'll discover that even now, Israel only occupies a small fraction of what God promised to give them if they would simply walk in and take it. And I'm here to say to you on the authority of the Word of God that God has great things in store for First Baptist Pelham in the days ahead. Yes, you've had a pastor who's led you in a great way. Yes, you've seen God do great things. I remember preaching in the old building and now being in this building and seeing what God has done in your facilities and your outreach and your ministries and what the Lord has done here. Wonderful things. But I'm here to tell you, God has great things ahead for you if you are willing to walk in and take the land. Look at verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
God says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, Joshua. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God had promised this to others as well, Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and now to Moses, after Moses, to Joshua. God promises his presence to his people. And God will be with you as a church family. God will be with your search committee. God will be with Brother Carter as he comes in to be your interim pastor. God says, I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. But God knew Joshua. God knew of his concerns. God knew of his fears. God knew that Joshua was moving into uncharted territory. And I'm sure that Joshua had some feelings of misgiving, some concerns, and he needed two things. Number one, he needed strength for the responsibilities he had. He needed strength to be able to move into the land and overcome it. And you, my friends, need strength to fulfill the will of God for you as individuals and for you as a church family. The second thing that Joshua needed was courage. You see, strength is a physical thing. It includes an emotional component, but mainly it's a physical thing. It's the strength to get the job done. But we also need the courage, don't we? Because sometimes we become fearful. Sometimes we allow anxieties to creep in. And those things get in the way. We're a little anxious about the future, a little fearful about what may happen. Will we get the right man? Will we be able to make the transition seamlessly? And God wants to lay all of that to rest for Joshua and for us as well. And so three times, first in verse 6, then in verse 7, and then again in verse 9. Don't you love the way this passage flows? It's literally a passage that preaches itself gives you three principles for gaining strength and courage. And by the way, the term for be strong in the original Hebrew literally has the idea of gaining strength from an outside source. What God is telling Joshua is not grit your teeth and buck up your muscles and be strong in yourself. He's saying the same thing that Paul said in Ephesians 6 when he said be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might put on the whole armor of God. It is His strength that we need to claim for the tasks ahead of us. Whether it's the ministry going on this week, whether it's the outreach in the days ahead, the revival to come in August, the calling of a new pastor, working with your interim pastor, your Sunday school, your outreach ministries, all of these things, for these things and others, we need God's strength. We also need God's courage. And he promises that as well. He says, be strong and of good courage. And the first way in which we experience God's strength and courage is by fulfilling God's purpose. You see that in verse 6. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. God is the one who is on the line in promising the land to Israel. It was called the land of promise because of what God promised. Back in Genesis 12, God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and sent him to a land he had never seen before and said, I want you to go to this land and claim it. He got to the land in Genesis 15 and God made an unconditional covenant with him. Later gave him the sign of the covenant, the circumcision, and God reaffirmed that promise to Isaac and to Jacob God says, I'm swearing that you will have this land. God has promised to grant 
victory to you as well. It is His purpose to give you this land. It is His purpose to give you Shelby County. As Don said this morning, 80% of the people in this county unchurched. Most of them in desperate need of the message of salvation that you have to give them. And my challenge to you is to not rest on past laurels, but to claim the purpose of God and to move forward and to accomplish that purpose. And I believe God also has a purpose in your life as well. That purpose fits into the purpose that He has for this local church. For some of you young people, that purpose may involve giving your lives in service to the Lord in ministry, in missionary work, and training and equipping yourselves and being prepared for service. For many of you as adults, it may involve taking a Sunday school class. It may involve working with young people. It may involve some kind of outreach ministry in the community, working to feed the poor and the hungry, working to reach out to those who are disadvantaged. But I want to encourage you today to seek out from the Lord His purpose for your life. Just as God had a purpose for Israel, He has a purpose for you. I'll give you a case in point. Some of you knew June Felix when she was here at First Baptist Pelham. She was also a student at Southeastern Bible College. She went to our college and graduated from there, worked with me on our Life Perspectives radio program. It was obvious that God had given her a gift in the area of using her voice and her talent and communicating on radio. And just a couple of weeks ago, June was appointed as the Morning Drive co-host on WMBI Radio in Chicago, Illinois, the flagship station of the Moody Broadcasting Network. God is using her in an amazing way. You as a church family, Southeastern Bible College, collaborated together to prepare her for an incredible ministry according to the purpose of God. And some of you young folks, young men and young women, may want to follow in her footsteps. You can always check out our website at sebc.edu to learn more. That's free. You don't have to pay for that part. But I want to encourage you to ask yourself, you moms and your dads, what is it that God wants to do in the lives of your sons and your daughters? You grandparents, those of you with silver hair like me, actually I tell people mine's just a lighter shade of red. It really isn't gray. But you need to ask yourself, what is it that God wants to do in the life of my grandchildren? See, the issue is not how much money can they make to support mom and dad when they reach retirement age. The issue is, what does God want to do with their lives? And the same thing is true in your life. The issue is not how much money can I make or how secure can my retirement be? What's the total amount in my IRA or my 401k or my 403b? The real issue comes down to, God, what do you want to do with my life? And I challenge you this morning in light of Romans 12, 1, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, logical service. Strength. Courage through fulfilling God's purpose. That's what we see in verse 6. And then the Lord hastens to add to Joshua in verse 7 that he can have strength and courage by assimilating God's precepts. Notice what he says. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may 
prosper wherever you go. And some of you are saying, what in the name of Matilda is a precept? Precept is a principle from the Word of God that you need to understand and you need to obey. And that's exactly what God is telling Joshua here. The key to experiencing success. And you notice this, the word prosper, which speaks of success, of wisdom, of the skill at living. He says that comes from your response to the Word of God. You know what's going to determine the ultimate success of First Baptist Pelham in the days ahead? It's not do you call a pastor who is a silver-tongued orator. It's not if you call a pastor who has the leadership skills to build a megachurch. It's not if you call a pastor who has the greatest personality since somebody in, well, I won't even mention any names, but you can fill in the blanks. It's will you call a pastor who can feed the sheep from the Word of God. Thank God you've had a pastor who's had a heart to preach and teach the Word of God. And I want to say to those of you on the search committee, it is of vital importance that you find somebody that will do what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Exhort, rebuke, and ex with all long-suffering and doctrine. God says to Joshua here, you've got to first of all observe it. That's why it's important that this church have a lighthouse ministry of the Word of God. When people come through those doors and sit in these pews, they know that whoever stands in his pulpit Sunday to Sunday is going to open up the Word of God and expound it to them and feed the sheep, as Jesus told Peter. That's of vital importance. And he says you've got to observe it, then you've got to obey it. And you're responsible for all of it. You can't go to the left, you can't go to the right. And when you do that, when you stick with the word, then you will prosper wherever you go. Look at verse 8, he amplifies it further. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And that day and time, all they had were the five books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy. But God has given us all 66 of this book. And he wants us to understand this book, to apply this book, to live in light of this book. He says, keep it in your mouth. Speak of it regularly. And meditate in it day and night. You know what it means to meditate? It's like a sponge soaking up the Word of God. The other analogy that I love using here, and I think it's an appropriate one, is a cow chewing her cud. Anybody here raised on a farm? A few of you. <laughs> I can remember as a young person growing up on the west side of Jefferson County out near Highway 78 in Forestdale. And after school, I would go down and do chores for an old man named Grandpa Dodd. My mother led him to the Lord at the age of 80. And I had the privilege of uh, chopping his kindling wood and uh, even plowing behind his mule in the summertime, hauling his water from the, the well and, and all of those kinds of things. And I remember his cows out in the field, usually under a shade tree, just chewing away. Now, you may not like to think about the fact that cows have four stomachs or that they bring that up again to chew on it, but it's a perfect analogy for what God wants you to do with his word. You hear his word in Sunday school. You hear his word in a church service. You hear his word in a Bible study. You look into his word when you have your devotions in the morning or in the evening. 
What he wants you to do then is to bring that back up and meditate on it and turn it over in your mind and let it soak into your life and let it guide you. David said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There are only 176 verses in Psalm 119, and just about every one of them has something to say about the word of God. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven, verse 89. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to your word. God wants us to let his word guide our lives. And if his word guides our lives, then his word's going to guide this church. And if his word is guiding this church, what's God promised? Look at the last part of verse 8. When you meditate on it, when you observe and obey it, then you will have your way prosperous and then you will have good success. There are a lot of churches today talking about prosperity and success. People standing in pulpits today saying, if you'll send me $100, God will give you $1,000. If you'll send me $1,000, God will send you $10,000. When you hear that, turn it off, okay? It's not biblical. Here's the way you get prosperity and success by listening to and obeying this book. Dwight L. Moody said this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. I want to encourage you to make this book a priority in your life. You will be strong. You will be courageous to fulfill God's will in your life, to fulfill God's will for your church. You'll call the right man as senior pastor. You'll be a blessing to your interim pastor. You'll work well together with your staff and your deacons as you all walk in the light of the Word of God. I commend it to your life. That brings us to the third thing that the Lord told Joshua here that would give him strength and courage for the days ahead. And that is that he would have strength and courage by experiencing God's presence. Notice what he says in verse 9. Have not I commanded you, by the way, you know the three keys of learning? Repetition, key number one. Key number two, repetition. Key number three, I don't have to tell you. Verse 9, have not I commanded you? See, God's repeating. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This, my friends, is a marvelous promise. And it addresses two of our major problems. Problems that arise especially when we're in a transition. One is that we tend to be afraid. We're fearful of what may happen in the future. We're fearful of making the wrong decision. And sometimes we fall into the paralysis of analysis and we don't do anything because we're scared to make a move. And I want to encourage you to turn your fears over to the Lord. I want to encourage you to recognize that His presence with you drives out every source of fear that you could possibly have. And then some of you may feel discouraged. You just don't see how things can really be good in the future. You tend to be a little pessimistic, maybe even a little depressed. And maybe Joshua felt a little of this, and that's why the Lord said, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. He said, there's no need for being dismayed. There's no need for being discouraged. Because why? Because the Lord says, I am with you. And he says, the Lord your God, 
He's the covenant-keeping God, Yahweh, Jehovah. He is your God. And because he's God, he's in charge. And he is with you wherever you go. that encouraging for the future? What God is saying is, God is going to be right with you every step of the way. And so I want to encourage you this morning, my friend, to allow the will of God, the purpose of God for your life to, guard, to guide you, to guard you, to direct you every step along the road. I want to encourage you to allow His precepts, the principles from the Word of God, to direct your thinking, to guide your decisions, to help you focus on where you need to go as a church and as individuals and as families and what God would have you do with your life. Then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, not in fear, not in anxiety, not in dismay, recognizing that our God has promised to be with you. Moses had done these things. Moses had walked with God. Moses had been a winner. In fact, in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it says, Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. Every step of the way as Moses walked, every step of his journey. And yes, there were times Moses failed. Yes, there were times Moses stumbled. But as he walked along, he recognized and sensed God's presence. And the same Lord God may be physically invisible, but he's just as real and right with you. And he wants you to be in step with him every step of the way. And now Joshua is about to do the same thing. My prayer for you this morning as we come to the conclusion of this service and as you come to the calling of your interim senior pastor and then look ahead to the man that God has to lead you and to the transition from the great ministry of Brother Mike to the great ministry that God has ahead. Number one, fulfill his purpose for you as an individual and as a church. Number two, obey his precepts, his word. Follow it closely. Don't turn from it. And thirdly, practice his presence. Be aware that he is with you every step of the way. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. As we do that, am I talking to someone this morning who needs to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? You see, he can't be with you until you have first invited him into your heart and your life. You do that like this, my friend. You recognize that like every one of us, you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. And you recognize that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins and rose again from the dead to guarantee that payment. And then you can pray a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe you died for me and rose again. And I receive you as my personal Savior, trusting you in your death for me as my only way to God. You make that commitment today. And if you have right now, I want you to step out when we sing the invitation song and come and share with this staff here. I've trusted Jesus. I want him to be my savior. Maybe there's a believer here today been struggling with some things. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. I want to encourage you to come and make that public as well. Make that commitment. Perhaps there are those that God is leading to unite with First Baptist Pelham to say, I'm standing with you. I want to follow the Lord in the days ahead. You step out as well. Father, whatever decisions need to be made, I ask you to bring those about through this invitation. And I ask this for your glory 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we're led in our invitation song. You step out and come. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.